Hey, good morning. Happy uh, almost Easter, I guess. Uh, my name is David Soren. I am the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Uh, good morning to you. Hey, did you ever sit in school back in the day and think to yourself, why do I seriously need to learn this? Like, what is even the point of this? I think a lot of life is like that. I remember <clears throat> not that long ago, I was on a flight from Minneapolis, St. Paul to Denver, Colorado, and the flight attendant went into the whole in case of a water landing speech, and I was thinking, okay, Minneapolis, Denver, <laughs> like unless we're going down in Lake Minnetonka here, I, don't, I just don't understand the relevance of the <laughs> water landing speech, but I'm thinking, okay, right, you never know, and a lot of life is kind of like that. I'm sure uh, Tilly Smith probably felt the same way back in 2004. Now, if you've never heard that name before, a Tilly Smith in 2004 was a 10-year-old from England that was probably sitting in a relatively boring geography class where they were talking about the warning signs of a tsunami. Well, the thing is, I don't know if you know this or not, they don't get tsunamis in England, right? So it's kind of like, how do you even, what's the point? How do you even put this into context? It would sort of be like doing earthquake drills in Minnesota. Like, okay, (laughs) right? Is it really necessary? Well, here's the thing. Not that long later, Tilly, this 10-year-old girl from England, went on a vacation with her family to Thailand. And on the morning of December 26, 2004, Tilly Smith was walking on the beach with her family, and she looked out of the ocean, she noticed it was starting to oddly bubble, and she noticed that the water, instead of going out and in and out and in, was just receding outward, and it just kept going back into the ocean. And she turned to her mom, she said, Mom, it's a tsunami. And her mom said, cute. And she didn't believe her, right? Now, before you judge her mom, right, would you have believed your 10-year-old if they said, it's a tsunami? I would be like, it's not, right? Well, she begins to just plead with her dad. Dad, it's a tsunami. I know it's a tsunami. He's like, okay, I'll go at least tell the security guard. Well, the local security guard comes out, and he's like, this is really bad. So he gets everybody off the beach. They go up to the third floor of the hotel, and minutes later, an enormous wall of waves crashes in through the beach. And Tilly Smith, 10-year-old girl, from remembering her geography lesson, saved the lives of over 100 people that day, the day of the Indian Ocean tsunami, the deadliest tsunami in the history of the world. Well, this morning what I want to do is I want to talk about another group of people that remembered something, but something even more important than that is something that occurred in the Easter story in the Bible. Now, before we get to Easter, let me just set it up here for a minute. So you have Jesus, who's the Savior. He's the Son of God, and he's in Jerusalem. But the religious people in Jerusalem, they didn't like Jesus's teachings. In fact, they hated Jesus. And so they had Jesus killed on a cross, crucified, we would say. And Jesus was killed on a Friday. And then we say three days later, he rose again on Sunday. Now, I know what you're thinking, David, isn't that two days? Well, it kind of sounds like it, right? But here's the thing, back in the Bible times in that area, they went by the Jewish calendar. And in the Jewish calendar, uh, the day ends at sundown. So Jesus died at 3 p.m. on a Friday, So the end of, or sundown on Friday is the end of the first day. Sundown on Saturday is the end of the second day. And Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, is the third day. That's why they say he rose again on the third day. So let's take a look at what actually happens on that third day. So if you look under the chair in front of you right now, you will find a Bible. Like Everybody grab it. I want you to see this story. We're going to be on page 722 
Uh, we're not going to have the main passage on the screen or anything because I want you to take a look. We'll put the page number on the screen for you uh, and you can take a look at it. Uh, so page 722, we're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 24. So what you're going to do when you get to page 722 is just look for that big number 24 and that's where we're going to start off at, right at uh, verse 1. Okay, so here's what it says. It says, on the first day of the week, that's Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away. That's what we're just saying. Roll, roll. I won't sing it. Okay. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Okay, let's pause there just for a second. But I want you to keep it open because I want to show you a few things. So this is a Bible teaching church. And so what we do is we teach through the Bible every week to help you better understand the Bible and then hopefully better understand God. So the women get to the tomb, and it says the stone, huge stone, has been rolled away. That's verse 2, if you're looking at it. And then if you look down to verse 5, it says there's these men in shining clothes. Those are angels. And the angels say to them this very fascinating thing. They say, why do you look for the living among the dead? Which is this fascinating line. They're basically saying, what are you doing here at a tomb? Jesus is alive. I mean, do you look for living people at at a cemetery? You know, of course not, right? Okay, let's keep reading. So we are in, we kind of left off in the middle of verse six. So look for that small number six if you took your eyes off it. So we, we read this. It said, he is, they said, he is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man, uh, the son of man is like a title that Jesus uses for himself. So you could sort of read it like, I, Jesus, must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, killed on a cross, and on the third day be raised again. And they rem- then they remembered his words. Okay, let's, let's stop there. Now, Jesus, before he was killed, he told these women, and he told his followers multiple times, saying, I'm going to be handed over to these people, I'm going to die, and then on the third day, I will be raised to life. But these women, they have forgotten. Right? They have forgotten what Jesus told them. In fact, if you still have it open on your lap, look at verse 1. This is kind of an interesting phrase. It doesn't make a ton of sense in our context, but historically it makes sense. It says that the women had brought spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. So in those days, 2,000 years ago, this is what you did. You brought spices to the tomb. They're essentially embalming the body. They're preparing it for its long-term burial. And so these women, they've completely forgotten. They're not thinking he's going to rise again at any time. They're just preparing his body for burial in the tomb. They've forgotten. And maybe it wasn't that they completely forgot. Maybe part of it was that they just didn't or they just couldn't understand. Like, think of it this way. Okay, what if somebody that you admired was talking to you and they said a phrase similar to Jesus and they said, you know what, I think I'm going to seriously die here, but... I'm going to rise again, so it's going to be okay. How would you interpret that? You might go, oh, it's like, it's like a metaphor, right? They're saying, I'm going to go through a really hard time. It's going to get really difficult, but then don't call it a comeback. I'm going to rise from the ashes. Here I come again to prominence, right? You could see Jesus had a lot of hard teachings. Maybe that's just what they were thinking when he talked about it. But they couldn't 
ultimately in their context make sense of what he was saying. Or it's like this, you remember when you're growing up and your parents would say to you, they would say, okay, son, my daughter, the reason that I'm doing this right now is because I'm your parent and I love you. And I know you don't get it, but someday when you're a parent, you'll understand. And you looked at your parent and you said what? You said, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about, right? This is ridiculous. I think I can understand mom and dad. Well, here's what happens, right? The years go by, it's maybe 15 years later, and guess what? Your kids are also crazy, right? And you're looking at your kids and you find yourself saying, you know what? I'm your parent and I love you. And one day when you're a parent, right? And you're going through the whole thing again and you just hear your mom or your dad's voice in your head and you go, Maybe they were right, maybe, maybe they were right, right? And all of a sudden, their words to you, because the setting has changed, the story has changed, they just begin to make sense. And that's what's happening here. The, women's, all, the women, all the followers of Jesus, really, they couldn't understand what Jesus was saying earlier, but now, as they're standing literally in the empty tomb, the light bulb comes on, and the Bible says, and then they remembered his words. That's right. He said he was going to die and rise again. Just like 10-year-old Tilly Smith in the geography lesson. I mean, how many things do you really legitimately remember from being 10, right? And all the lessons you learned. But sometimes when you're in just the right place and it's sitting right in front of you and the setting is right, the light bulb comes on and it just makes sense. You have some parallels here. Many of you in this room, you've heard the Easter story before. Maybe in your youth, uh, maybe from your mom or your grandma, maybe it was ages ago in a Sunday school classroom or in a confirmation class or something like that. You know, some of you, you maybe didn't grow up in church at all, but you've heard something about Jesus on TV or uh, from a friend. But for whatever reason, kind of like the women walking to the tomb that day, for many of you, the Easter message just didn't really stick. I mean, at least not in the way that it's the thing that governs your life or anything like that, but it's kind of been a thought or a concept or a piece of information that has stayed in your head. Kind of like Tilly Smith, she had filed some information away about tsunamis. And see, because these women on Easter morning didn't yet understand the information they knew about Jesus, they were walking in that morning with sadness on their heart. And similarly, maybe that's you this morning. Maybe honestly, for some of you, your life has just been really hard lately. And you've gone through a lot. Maybe it's a failed relationship. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. Maybe it just feels like your family or extended family is just tearing apart at the seams right now. Maybe you just feel at your wit's end. And so today, what I want you to do is to remember. Remember those words that for some of you have sat dormant and asleep inside your head for a long time. Remember that Jesus Christ was crucified and then he raised from the dead and he is alive today for you and you can know him. And what the women begin to remember, it's deeper than just like this fact of, oh, that's right, he was going to die and raise again. It's, it's deeper than that. In fact, let me show you something. I'm going to put verse 7 on the screen again because I want to I point out an 
excuse me, an important, important word there. It says, the Son of Man, remember that's Jesus, must be delivered over to the hands of sinners and be crucified. And on the third day, be raised again. So what the women are remembering is not just that he died, but that he had to die. His death was absolutely necessary and essential. See, I find that most Americans, many Americans can say that, yes, Jesus, he was the person who died on a cross, but most Americans can't say why Jesus died on a cross. Why is it that he must die? What's the point? Couldn't he have just come and you know, gave us a bunch of teachings and kind of woo, gone back up to heaven? Why die? And here's how I like to explain it. So you think about the world out there. You know, a part of what's happening in society today, it's messy. Life is messy, right? And there's sin, wrongdoing, we would say. There's crime. And we today in our culture and society, what do we call out for when we see wrongdoing and crime? What do we want? We want justice, right? We say that if the authorities out there are good, then they should bring justice for wrongdoing. They can't just overlook it. Okay, well, understanding that similarly, God is the ultimate authority, right? And he teaches in the Bible that there must be justice for our sin. For where we sin against other people, we hurt other people, we say awful things sometimes to other people, we sin against God himself. Because God isn't just like, oh, I don't really care about the world. He's a good God. He's holy. He is a just judge. And so there must be justice. But here's the thing the Bible teaches us about God, is that he is good, he is holy, he is just, but he's also incredibly loving. And God takes those two things, just and loving, and he puts them together in this really fascinating way. And that is he sends his son Jesus to die on the cross, and what Jesus is doing on the cross is he is taking the justice that you deserve for your sins. And he's doing that out of love for you. Uh, Later, towards the back of the Bible, 1 John, it explains it this way. I'll put this on the screen for you. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world that we might live through him, be forgiven. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. Atoning means like uh, to make right or to pay for. That's our sins for our sins. This is love. I mean, think about this. God is all-knowing, all-seeing, right? Has actually seen everything that you've ever done. Even like the secret stuff that nobody else knows about. He has seen it. And he very rightfully could have just rained down justice upon you for those sins. But instead, he says, you know what? I've seen everything they've done but I love them and I want to know them. And so I will send my own son. If you have kids, just think about that. I will send my own son and I'll have him take the justice that they deserve and die in their place. And that is a gift I will make available to them if they choose to receive it in their life. It's kind of like any gift. If you get a gift from someone, you actually can reject it, right? You ever been like out to eat with someone and they say, you know what, I'll pay uh, just a gift to you. And you, what can you do? You can say, no, 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 thanks. You can reject a gift. And a lot of people do that with God. He says, I have offered my son for you. Come and follow me. And they say, no, 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 no. I, 
it's fine, it's information, but I will go my own way. Uh, the Bible in John 3.16 explains it this way. It says, for God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him, so here it's a choice again, so you can choose to believe in him, or you can say, no, I wanna be king or queen of my life, I don't want that. But if you believe in him, it says you shall not perish. So what that means is you won't suffer, the justice for your sin won't come upon you, thus sending you to hell, the justice for your sin, but instead, what do you get? What does it say? Eternal life. What is eternal life? It's a phrase that's used often, actually, in the Bible. It really means two things. Number one, it means when you receive Jesus into your life, you believe that he died for you in your place, and you actually really believe it. Not just, oh, I learned that once, I believe it. You get eternal life. And number one, that means you will start to experience life, real life, right now, like you never have before. Because you will be walking with Jesus, who is alive. And number two, eternal life means that God will now look upon you and he'll see that justice that was meant for you. It'll go from you over to his son on the cross. And so he'll look at you and say, not guilty. And you'll have eternal, forever, life now in heaven. Because you believed in Jesus. And it is your faith that saves you. I, I think a lot of people really misunderstand Christianity. And they think, okay, I gotta be good. I gotta get my life together. And if I'm a good enough person, I'll go to heaven. Christianity actually says the opposite of that. It says, actually, you're never gonna be good enough because you're always gonna have sin. And the only way that you can be made right with God is to believe. It doesn't say whoever gets their life together and is a good person. It says whoever believes in him that he came to rescue them and die in their place shall have eternal life. But here's the thing, you can't actually be saved by God, be made right with God until you recognize that you need to be saved in the first place and that you can't do it on your own. It's like being trapped somewhere and someone reaches out their hand to save you. You're not gonna be saved until you acknowledge I am trapped and I need help. Get me out of here. See, these words, these teachings about the death and the resurrection of Jesus, they have to come to life in your heart. And maybe some of you inside are saying, you know what? I have known about this. Like, I know I learned that Jesus, he, he died on the cross and he, he rose from the dead, but I, I haven't been living as if it were true. It's kind of just been like a fact buried within me. And what I want to say to you today is this. Remember. Remember. These women, by the tomb, their whole life changed on three words. Then they remembered. And let this be the chapter in your story. When somebody writes your story someday, that they say, yeah, on April 16th, then they remembered. They remember this truth that sat inside of them for so long. But now when they see the signs, they remember that yes, God does love them. And God sent his son to die for them and he is alive and they can know him today. You know, I think about these women. They came on Sunday morning, Easter, and they, they, they got the spices kind of in their arms. What are they doing? They're, they're ready to have a funeral, right? They're gonna come, they're gonna remember Jesus, talk about he was a good man, he did good things, give some eulogies, and then essentially just kind of sadly, but move on with their life. 
And maybe in a similar way, that's what you were kind of doing this morning. You're like, okay, it's Easter weekend. We'll go to church. We'll kind of hear some things about Jesus and his teachings and then kind of just go on with life. But think about these women. At the moment that they remembered, you can be sure that they took those funeral spices and then they let them drop to the floor of the tomb because they don't need them anymore. Because Jesus is alive, is alive. And that's where you need to just drop your old life on the floor of the tomb. And listen, I know some of you are maybe hearing this for the first time, the fact that God sent his son Jesus to die for you and that you can be forgiven. If you're hearing it for the first time, believe it, live in it, walk in it, it is amazing. But for the rest of you, somebody taught this to you long ago. And I know for many of you that is the case. Somebody taught it to you, but it has just been buried within you until the day that you have needed it most. And for some of you, that day is today. Remember. Remember this incredible truth. Just like your parents' advice to you as a teenager might not have made a whole lot of sense then, but it makes sense now. For some of you, let this make sense. Let it come alive to you now that God loves you. He sent his own son to die in your place and you can be forgiven and made right with him. And for some of you, I pray that today's the day that you say, not only to him, I remember, but you say to him, and now I actually believe and I wanna follow you. If you love me that much, if you died for me, I wanna live for you. And God can come in and revolutionize, revolutionize your life save you from an eternity in hell to eternity in heaven through our belief. That is the great promise of Christianity. But it is a decision on everybody's part. And I find that sometimes in life, we just need like line in the sand moments, I call them. You know, it's like a decision where you say, okay, I will open the gift or I will grab that hand that came to rescue me. And so I wanna give you, even today, an opportunity to make a decision to say, you know what, I am hearing this, it's been kind of asleep in me, but I just need to say I do believe and I do want to become a, a follower, I wanna be saved, I wanna be forgiven. And so let's just do this, just for a minute or so, let's just have everybody in the room, would you just close your eyes and just bow your head even, just, just for a minute and just listen. If you need to make this decision for the first time today to receive the forgiveness of God through your faith to let his holy justice go on his son instead of you, to receive eternal life. In just a minute, if that's you, what I'm gonna ask you to do in a minute is actually to stand up. That's a, that's a draw a line in the sand moment. Nobody's looking at you, that's why I just had everybody close their eyes, so don't even think about that. This is between you and God. But sometimes in life we just need that moment to take that first step. To say, God, this is me today. I remember, and now I believe. This is the moment my life turns. If you love me that much, I'm saying to you today, I believe and I will follow you. And if you need to do that today, and this love of God is just hitting you like a rock on your heart right now, I bet you already know it in your heart. And so if you need to tell God for the first time this morning that you do believe and you want to be forgiven, and made right with him. You want to become his follower. You can do that right now, and his forgiveness will just wash over you. 
If that's you and you need to tell him, would you just stand up where you are right now? And go ahead. Go ahead. Anyone here where you're just feeling, I just, it's me. I'll remember. And I just need God back in my life. And I, I want to follow him. I want to believe. I want to be forgiven, made right with him. If that's you, would you just boldly just stand up and say, God, I need that. Forgive me. Go ahead. Amen. All right. Anyone else? I'll give you another five or ten seconds. If you just know it, just trust the Lord. Trust God and just, just surrender and stand. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. All right. Anyone else? This is the truth of God. Amen. All right. It's a big decision, right? And sometimes that's where we take time. But it's just God is so good. Anyone else? Amen. All right. It is just pretty amazing, right? I, I just, I am a sinful person. I am a mess sometimes. The fact that God would see everything I've done and say, I want to die for that person. That is the offer in front of you. Anyone else? Okay, you can, you can stand up at any time you want and join these people, but for the number of you that are standing, the Bible says that when you get to this point in your life and you make this decision to say, I want this, God. I, I want to be forgiven. I got I to gotta give you the keys of my life. That we pray. And we pray, it says, we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths. So I'm just going to pray a prayer. And what I want you to do is just pray it with me from your heart. Like it just from the bottom of your heart. And you can just repeat after me, whether you just believe this and you're standing, or for many of you in here who've believed this for a long time in your life, would you just pray this actually out loud after me? Repeat after me. Dear God, I confess to you that I have sinned against you. But God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to take my place. And God, I thank you for forgiving my sins. And now I commit to following you with my life. All right, for the many of you that are standing across this room, as everybody just has their eyes closed, just for one more minute, for the many of you that are standing, you just made what is actually the most important decision of your life. And when you make a decision of that magnitude, what you don't want to do is just say, you know what, I'll just figure it out. You want to go, okay, then what next if you're going to follow? And so here's what we're going to do. In just a second, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, what I want you to do is just to sneak out of your row. There's a lot of you, so you can go together and head to the lobby just for a minute or two. I'm going to meet you out there with our follow-up team. They'll go out with you too. So a lot of people are going to move at once here. You won't be the only one. And we're just going to get you some information, some really critical next steps so you know what to do next. And then you'll be able to sneak right back into the service. Okay? So I'm going to pray. And then you can go. And then I'll meet you out there in just a minute. So, okay, you can go. Lord, thank you so much uh, for what you're doing in this service and in our church all weekend. God, we are just in awe of your, your love, that you would love people like us, rebellious people like us, and that you came, you died in our place, and that you conquered death in our lives today. We just love you for that. It's in your name we pray. Amen.